I get to speak today in front of Jim and Mary. If you guys, if you guys don't see me up front, you know, next week, you know, something went terribly wrong. How you guys doing? Just gonna get situated up here. We're the flagship for uh, the call Columbus. I just had this thought. I was like, well, we must have a sail up then. It's just a thought. Well, I want to share today uh, a couple things, and so you guys can just write this down right now. And some of this is gonna, some of this message will kind of hit you one way, and some of it you're gonna be disconnected from. Then other parts you're gonna have encounters with Jesus. Mostly that part. But uh, just go ahead and write down in case I get off script, and you guys can bring me back to it. Is simplicity? No one's writing down. I'm. I'm telling you to write this down. If you're, if you're a note taker, write this down, okay? Simplicity, you can write on the, on the back of your bulletin. Intimacy and the will of God. Simplicity, intimacy, and the will of God. <clears throat> How many of you know faith comes from hearing? Do you know faith is what releases the manifestation of heaven? So it's probably important that we we hear some stuff that gives us faith. Sometimes we think that means like, I need to be encouraged in my faith. No, 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 you need to encounter someone else's faith so that you will have faith in what you heard. And so uh, some of you guys know this, but uh, I, w- I went to uh, Pakistan a couple weeks ago, so can I share some stories about it today? So I went to Pakistan a few weeks ago. Uh, I was there for a week. Uh, I traveled with uh, Todd Bentley and a small team. And uh, we went there and um, uh, did, we were there for about five days, uh, five nights. And we did crusades, open air crusades um, in the middle of um, uh, Karachi, Pakistan. And so that is a very Islamic part of the world. Uh, It is a really Islamic nation. It's the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. Um, so, uh, I think I saw one white face while I was there, apart from a couple people that I was traveling with. Um, and, uh, it was really funny. I, I, she was a Dutch nurse at a, um, kind of like a children's home, like an orphanage environment. And she gave up everything and moved to Pakistan and was serving, uh, in this Christian children's home. Um, kids that couldn't, you know, they didn't even speak the same language, and she's been there for, like, years. I mean, if there's a way to get to heaven apart from Jesus, she's closest, (laughs) you know? And and so we were there for a few days uh, in Pakistan, and uh, we we just saw just amazing, amazing things. Um, uh, I think, you know, they they estimate over 360,000 came to Christ through the meetings over three nights, that's okay. You can, you can say, yay, Jesus, you know. We were able to, it was just a real privilege to be around someone like Todd Bentley, who uh, uh, is a really amazing orator, actually. Doesn't get enough credit for that, you know. If, but if you read what he's written, if you just listen to Todd, sometimes you don't listen to Todd because he's just saying a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got, you know, tats from like the chin to like the ankles and and some people don't actually hear what he's actually saying. And so when you're in Pakistan and you wear more traditional garments, you don't see it as much. I think everyone listens more. Anyway, um, but, but it, it was amazing. And one of these guys um, I, I met, um, this guy named Ed, 
Ed is maybe my new favorite person alive. Ed was on the team with us, and Ed is this guy from Texas. And uh, Ed, the first time I met Ed, I knew that I got to be around this guy more. So Ed is probably, um, he's probably in his early 60s. Uh, he's a, um, he owns a, uh, a contracting company in Texas. Uh, he installs fences and does, you know, just a lot of general construction type stuff and, and contracting. First time I met Ed, I was on a plane with him going to uh, Dubai. This was in a couple weeks ago. And he comes up to me and, and we shake hands. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on, you know? And he's like, he's like, an angel laid hands and prayed for me and gave me $10,000 two months ago. I was like, I had a, I had, there was a lot of choices that I can make in that moment. I, I didn't know how to respond, but I realized that I need to be around Ed. That was like my conclusion. I'm like, I, I just need to be around you, Ed. You know, and it wasn't, you know, for the, you know, I wanted to be like, Ed, just like lay hands on me right now and pray for me. You know, and, it, and, and the reason is, is because you know, he actually told me this story about how he was in a meeting in July and an angel came, a manifested angel, and laid hands on him and encouraged him and spoke to him and told him that God was going to send the resources to go to Pakistan. Now, at this point in time, he wasn't able to go. It wasn't even something terribly on his radar. And, and uh, that week, he got a check for $10,000 that enabled him and his son to go. When you're around Ed, man, you're just like, you got to buckle up because Ed will, just, Ed will just tell you everything that he sees in the spirit. He's like this seer. He'll, we'll be driving around and he'll be like, he'll just, he'll, he'll just have an encounter with Jesus and he's not doing it to tell you about it. He's just like manifesting the Lord. I'm like, Ed, bring me into what is going on right now, buddy, you know? And, he, and then he begins to share and it's just like the anointing of the Lord is just dripping on this guy. Does that make sense? I mean, Ed is a crazy, crazy dude. And, and Ed is someone where I, I position myself around him all the time for like five days. I just like sit next to him and stuff, you know. And, and we talked and, you know, but, but I would just try to sit next to Ed because his stories were giving me faith for something I haven't encountered. They were actually giving me faith for something that I, maybe I read before, maybe I heard from someone else. But by being around that person, I began to have faith for their faith. Does this make sense? You know, we need to surround ourselves. We need to, 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 to get around people, to get around teachings. Like, like there's a re- this isn't to become more religious. This is so to your faith would, in- would grow. Because what is the currency of heaven? Well, what, what is the manifestation of heaven? It's from your faith. It's not from your knowledge. It's not from your devotions, even though, come on, Jesus, I love when he manifests in my devotional time. It's actually faith that moves heaven. You know, it doesn't have to do with a lot of understanding. It doesn't have to do with a lot of teaching. Those things are good. We want to grow in our understanding of Christ. Like, Paul is really clear about that in the epistles, that, that we want to actually grow in our knowledge and understanding of, of, of the kingdom and of what God's given us. But I tell you what, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus taught about it all the time in parables about how, how it starts with something like a mustard seed, how it starts with something so small that can't be taught. It actually says, it actually says that every single person... Regardless, if you're alive, God has given you a portion of faith. Maybe, it's mis- maybe your faith is misplaced. I was in front of millions of people in, in the Middle East. Their, their faith was misplaced, but God had given them faith. Does this make sense? And that, that our job is faith comes from hearing. So, 
Yes, hearing by the word of Christ. What is the word of Christ? The word of Christ is a manifestation of his presence on earth. It's not just, a, it's not just the Bible. There's two people. I'm gonna, where are those two people? I need, I need encouragement right now. The Bible is a part of it. The Bible doesn't contain God. It reveals God, okay? Meaning that it comes from the word of Christ. It actually comes from the breath of heaven. How many of you know that everything released, that the word of God, okay, everything released, that God releases, the word of God never fails. Luke 1, 137, I think we may even have that scripture to throw up here. Luke 137, maybe, maybe not. That may have been me. Okay, I did give it to him. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Whew, I'm going to read that one again. I'm not even, I'm t- put it, keep it up. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. Are you guys getting this in your spirit, man, right now, not in your head? And no word from God shall be without power. That's just a good word. We can close in prayer right now. No word from God will ever be, shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. You know, this is that scripture that we usually read, for with God, nothing is ever impossible, or with God, all things are possible. But we forget that it actually, it starts from his word. It starts from his mouth. I hope I'm, I hope I'm connecting with you for a moment right now. That it actually starts in that place, that, that, that word that gets released. That no word from the Lord can ever fail. But sometimes we kind of treat the word like, well, it didn't happen yet, so I don't know where to place my hope in the moment. Does that make sense? Like we go through those places. Um, you know, if you're, not a, if you're not a reader of past revivalists, I encourage you to do it. Norval, Dr. Norval Hayes says this, Believing in God's word means that there is nothing, uh, there's no more wandering. Because you either believe it or you don't believe it. There is no in-between. You cannot leave loopholes for the devil to add ifs, ends, or buts, and maybes. You know, Matthew 10, 8. This is, this is kind of the biblical instruction of the Lord, right? Matthew 10, 8. We're just going to be level 10 with the, with the slides today, I'm telling you. Look at this. Come on. Matthew 10, 8. This is what Jesus, is, his instructions. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons, freely without pay, you have received freely without charge, give. Cleanse the leper, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, freely you've been given, freely receive, not freely give. Some of us might be more familiar with that kind of language. Well, have you ever thought, like, you know, do you, do you know what is credited to your account on behalf of Jesus? I mean, have you ever just, have you ever just, just, like, when I say think, it's like you can't think in your brain. You have to think with your hands, meaning, like, like you can't just ponder it. You have to see if it's true. Like, in the kingdom, everything is open to see if it's true. Like every promise from the Lord is open to see if it's true. See, see if that word is without power or not. See if it's true. So Jesus preaches this kingdom of the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely receive, freely give. 
Well, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I've never, I've never, uh, been, I've never had leprosy, so I've never been cleansed of that, so I don't have that. I've, I'm alive. I have not died just yet, and I don't think I've been raised from the dead. So I'm not sure if I have that. I'm, I actually, I've never been healed of a disease, so I'm not sure. Am I connected with anyone here in the room? That like, that, like there's a train of thought that actually says, well, freely receive, freely give. What happens? I'm, I'm beginning to let the devil actually speak to me about God's word. Does this make sense? And we begin to look for loopholes of is it true for me or not? Will it be true of my life or not? But he says freely receive and freely give. And oftentimes there's this disconnect between, see, when God says something, he actually, when he gives a command, within the command is the power for the commission to be fulfilled. I know, I know I'm, I'm, I hope, I can't unpack this fully. Come to CSSM. We're going to talk a lot about this tonight. You can join. I actually was supposed to announce that. You can join tonight. But I hope you're, I hope, uh, just track with me for, for a few more moments. I'm going to tell you guys some stories from Pakistan. That freely receive, freely give, meaning this. If God tells you to cleanse the leper, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, the charge of the kingdom of God is not without power. See, every time he gives you a word, that fresh rhema word over your life, every time he speaks, every time he gives commission, within the commission is the power to fulfill it. It's already, it's with it. It's in the word that's being released. So when I was over in, in Pakistan, uh, we were doing these crusades every night and, we, and preaching the gospel and we were healing the sick and laying hands on people and uh, it was just it was just totally phenomenal, and thank you so much for those of you who were praying for us. Uh, we were under such a supernatural protection while we were there. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, we were in an Islamic nation, and people were coming to Jesus. I don't know if you know, but in Islam, that's illegal. But we didn't get arrested. Come on, Jesus. We actually, there were, there were at points of while we were there that um, the government... And a couple, um, some local leaders were, were uh, violently against us being a part of, uh, violently against us uh, doing the meetings, the open air meetings. So much so that they're supposed to start on Friday night and it takes two days to set up everything, like the stage, the mics, the, like everything, the chairs, like the, they put, they put like rugs and carpets for like as far as you can see like on the ground. So people aren't actually sitting in dirt in a lot of pictures you might see and, these environments, they're actually on carpets. I don't even, I have no idea. I don't know where the rugs came from, but there were just mounds and mounds and mounds of rugs, and we put them all down. Well, Friday, uh, it, it is, takes two days to set everything up, and Friday comes around, and uh, we got word about 3 p.m. Now, we're planning on going there at 8 p.m. that night and, and doing the crusades. We got word at 3 p.m. that the government pulled the permits, and people were protesting it, and nothing was set up. So we're like, all right, Jesus... We have a problem. <laughs> so we start to just pray. And I tell you what, some of us just need to rediscover violent prayer. It was something that I rediscovered over the last month. And we just began to pray out. And what do I mean by violent prayer? How many of you know that Jesus said that from the time of John the Baptist, from the old covenant ending to the time that he was speaking, the, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Meaning that he was giving marching orders for the new covenant. 
until the time of John the Baptist, until now. Now is when we begin to take the, does this make sense? What he was doing was he was foreshadowing that it's going to be so available to you, you just need to speak it out. If you'll only speak it out. So we began to pray, and about 10, 15 minutes in the, in, in the praying, and we're just praying in tongues and, you know, offending every religious spirit within like a two-mile radius, you know, and, and we're, we're, we're actually in the hotel and, in a closed-room environment, and we just began to pray, and we were crying out because we had no solutions. We had no solutions, and we, we traveled really far to get there, and there was like, like, there wasn't a plan B. It was like, this has to happen, and it's out of our hands. So we start praying. About 10, 15 minutes into praying, someone comes in the room. I mean, there are tears happening in this room. Someone comes in the room and says, the government just gave us our permits. We got to go right now and set it up. We're like, come on, Jesus. We, we hop in vans and we get there and we don't, we're not supposed to set it up. It's like local, like what are, you know what I mean? Like we don't know how to set up the stage. And so, so we show up and we're just like, hey, put us to work. You know, there's a small team of us and then there are all the local pastors are there now. And now we have access. So, and again, I, don't, I do not know uh, where thousands of rugs, I just, that's still, that's, I'm going to ask Jesus about that one. I don't know where they all came from, but there are thousands of rugs and piles. So we're like, you know, putting rugs on our shoulders and I'm making it a contest with the other guys. I'm like, I'm, you know, he's got four. I'm like, come on, dude. You know, you got at least like seven to 10 of those. So we start doing it. People are like hurting themselves and, and we're, we're setting up all the rugs and getting all this, getting all this ready. And you know, that night within a few hours, within a few hours, about 50% of everything was set up, so there was a everything we needed, the stage, lights, the camera, the, the, there was a film crew, this Christian TV thing in, in the Middle East that's really big was there. There, there was audio, like everything was set up. We, that night, we saw, I think it was that night, we saw 11 cases of deaf ears open that, that we knew about. It's really hard to track what's, what all is going on in an environment of thousands and tens of thousands of people. We, see, we saw probably about half of that, of that audience that night come to Jesus, give an altar call, and they said yes, and they begin to receive Jesus into their lives. They come forward, they're getting healed. One of the nights, uh, uh, can I share a couple stories, a couple testimonies from it? So, so at some, uh, one of the nights, people were pressing in so hard. This is the third night, and the last night of it, our, the largest crowd by far. People were pressing in so hard to the stage area where we were, uh, after they received Jesus, like 300,000 at night received Jesus, or 200,000, or some crazy number. Todd will be here in a couple weeks. He, he, the evangelists love numbers, so he'll know. But, but so, so that night, we're, we open up the altars for healing, and people are getting healed before we even do any of that stuff, and they're coming forward with testimonies of them getting healed. A boy in the audience had club feet, his feet turned right and walked for the first time. His parents came. No one, no one laid hands on him. No one laid hands on him. No one laid hands on him. That was just through the word of the Lord, just through hearing the word of God and, and faith being present and manifestation being released. Whose faith? I do not know, but it was present because it was released. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Boy's feet, whoosh, upright for the first time. You ever seen club feet? Come on, Jesus. There were people pressing in so hard that night that we actually, like we had security everywhere around this, this stage. And we're bringing people up and healing them and getting them on the mic and they're sharing testimonies. It was kind of the flow of what we did. So they were hearing testimonies from the people who were like their friends in their community were getting healed and then testifying about Jesus to everyone else. And so we're getting people healed and, and Jesus is just, I mean, running wild in this place. Ambulances are there. And the first time the ambulance was there, we were like, oh no, like something happened. The ambulance was there. They were bringing sick people to us. 
So the ambulance is right by there and, and, and they're like driving by and we're like, oh no, like we think someone got trampled. You know what I mean? Like something bad happened or something. And, they, and the, the, you know, the paramedics or whatever get out and begin to take people out and bring them to us. And we're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're awesome. So we're praying and people are getting healed and touched by God and so many, so many um, people are getting set free from demons, you know? By the way, demons are not in just another third world country. What was part of the commission there? Cast out demons, not just on a mission trip, just a thought. That sometimes we actually have to go after those things that are actually the root, that are the problem. So we're, we're, people are getting healed. Everyone's pressing in so much that, that the stage, people were coming under it to try to get through it to get prayer. People were pressing in, we're talking, I mean, the number beyond my brain, pressing in so much so that people were crowd surfing to get to the stage just to get prayer. Now, we were equipping them to pray for them, but, but when they were there, they, they just wanted to come to the stage. Does that make sense? Like, we were equipping them to pray for each other. That's how other people were getting healed. But at that point in time, they were just pressing in for the presence of God. This one woman, I'll never forget, I look over, and it's, it's chaos. I mean, it's chaos, okay? It's like, you know, I mean, it's crazy, and, and uh, this one woman was to the side of the stage. And so when I say pressing in, I mean the front and the sides, totally getting pressed in. This woman on the side of the stage, her friends were carrying her on a plastic chair. She was lame, crowd surfing her to the stage. So I grabbed that woman, you know, and I grabbed the chair and I brought him up on the stage and put him down and I got swallowed up. I never even got to pray for her because they grabbed me to pray for someone else, but the rest of the team did, you know, that night. And we got to pray for her. How many of you know, like, like that woman's friends, if nothing alone, have the faith to get her healed? I'll tell you guys one, can I tell you guys one more story? So at, at one of the night, you know, one of the times we're praying for people and there's such demand. I'm telling you guys, there's such hunger and demand. It's unlike anything I've ever seen or, or been a part of. And I'm here. I hope, you're, I hope you're getting faith by me sharing right now. It was a stage like this, and they said, you just start praying for people. So me and the team, we just start praying for people. And we're laying hands, and there's people on like, there's two people like on my pinky and my thumb, and there's two people on it. And so you're praying for like four or five, six people at the same time, just blessing them. And they're, they're encountering Jesus, and they're weeping. Some of them are getting saved. I have an interpreter with me. She's like, she wants to receive Jesus. So we're like, receive him, you know. <laughs> like, I only got one hand, you know. And, and, and they're just encountering Jesus and falling away, and then they're trying to move bodies. And I mean, it just cra- it's, it's a point where power is just going out. It's not about your prayers. Get over yourself. It's about Jesus. And their hunger, their faith was moving heaven. Well, so much so that I'm down on the ground. I'll share this one. So I was down on the, you know, doing this. And I'm praying and, and all this stuff is happening. And, and I got the interpreter next to me. And I'm telling her, I'm like, just pray for people. Don't try to interpret for me. Like, just pray, you know. She's a believer. And, and then another interpreter, he was a believer. I'm like, just go ahead and lay hands and pray. And they're seeing people encounter Jesus. And I was doing this, you know. It's like a 1,000 degrees, too. You know, thank you, God, for air conditioning. And, and I'm praying for people. And all of a sudden... Phones start coming up to my face while I'm praying for other people. They call their friends who just needed a healing and they just were trying to put it on someone who's got it. So I'm praying for like five, six people here and phones are coming from all around. I'm like, I don't under how, where is this even like happening from? And it was just a level of hunger unlike anything I've ever seen. It was amazing. 
Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was a trip that, that you know, it, it wasn't anything special or unique about, about the environment. It was just faith was there. I mean, I mean, it was faith was there. Faith was in the room. How many of you know that the same Jesus who rose from the grave, the resurrected Jesus who, who is now living inside of hundreds of thousands of people in that country, lives inside of you? And sometimes he just wants out. Does that make sense? And so we get questions a lot as a pastoral team, you know, about people looking for the will of God in their life. Should I start a business? Should I go into school? Should I, you know, should I marry this person? Should I do this? I'm, I'm really thinking about, you know, moving. And we're like, no, that's a bad idea. But, you know, but most people, no, we're just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we're searching for like the will of God or we're searching. Does that make sense? Like there's something in us that's constantly kind of looking around for it. Right, and we, we take this scripture, what Jesus prayed in Matthew, uh, the, the, the his famous prayer when disciples said, "How do we pray?" What did Jesus say? He began to teach him, "Our Father, here's how you should pray: Your Father, our Father who's in heaven, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." So the on earth as it is in heaven is a place that I think we as a church really pursue, kind of with all of our hearts, you know. And how many of you know, when you run after something, sometimes you stumble, sometimes you make a wrong turn, but it doesn't stop you from running. And so we do that. What, what we miss sometimes, so we're looking for the manifestation of heaven in our lives, like what, you know, the kind of the destiny, the path, all that stuff. But what we, what we kind of miss sometimes is, what does it say? It actually says, your will be done. So what is, the, what is the spoken word over your life? You know, it doesn't matter if you're a school teacher, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter if you own your own business, if you are unemployed, it doesn't matter, like, the directions that God is going to take you in, you know, here's your job description along the way. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out lepers, or cleanse lepers, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. And so often we kind of, like, hear this stuff, but really, like, are you testing it out? Like, God is looking for someone to see if his word is true. This might not be this, like, great revelation today. But I feel like this is what Holy Spirit is beginning to show us right now in this season, in this moment. You're a business owner. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Why? That's the kingdom of God. That's the gospel of the kingdom. See, sometimes we try to create our own gospels. Does this make sense? We try to, like, you know, well, it's, it's more about, like, you know, if I... Your purpose is to release the will of God on the planet. So remember we talked about freely receive, freely give? It says that Jesus, what does it say? 2 Corinthians 5.21, they don't have the notes for it, my bad. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who had no sin became sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. Meaning that sometimes we think that like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I'll raise the dead if I see a headache healed, right? Like, I'll go from level one to like level two to level three to like dead raising is like level nine or 10 or something. Does this make sense? See, Jesus didn't slowly become sin. He became sin in a moment, forever. It, is, it, is the, it, it has already been done. He became sin so that you would become in a moment the righteousness of God. Do you get that? 
Now there's, yeah, there's a working out of our salvation, like I totally, but you have to understand, you're working out, the working out of your salvation is coming from you already with a great advantage, that you are the righteousness of God on the planet. <laughs> I, yeah, okay, like it's like you're cheating and you don't even know it, but you don't even think you're cheating because you don't know it. Does that make sense? You know, the righteousness of God looks like the kingdom of God flowing through your life, and we never get to stop. It looks like, like, how do you think Jesus gets glorified? It's, it's for the kingdom of the gospel being released through your life. And Jesus just wants out sometimes, you know? I'm so far off the notes. You guys Okay. Just give me about five, ten more minutes, and then, and then we're going to do something. More testimonies. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, not, a notable testimony. Was um, There was a boy who did not have ears. Like, he didn't have physical, like, external ears. And oftentimes, if you've ever seen that, maybe sometimes someone's uh, gone through something or been deformed, and sometimes there's actually, like, a, a hole opening for an ear canal. There wasn't that. It was, does this make sense? Like, it was just skin like where an ear should be uh someone prayed for him. i don't know who someone prayed for him and he got his hearing back and spoke for like the first time here here's the situation here I, it's not even who cares how it's classified but it, i wouldn't even say it's a healing that was a miracle or that was a sign and wonder because there was still no opening i hope your minds are so offended right now I'm serious, because faith and, your, and the working of our mind, it's so funny that Pastor Mary was going after that this morning, not knowing at all what we were going to talk about today. You need to, if your mind is not being renewed, it's opposing what heaven wants to do. It, it is. It's the mind of, the, the mind of man, is, is a, the mind of flesh is, is carnal, opposed to the mind of heaven. So that's why some of, some of us just need to get around that thing, right? Like hearing it today, hearing it this morning is good, but you're thinking like, man, like I, you know, I, need, to, I need some breakthrough in that place in my life. Get a, find Ed. Like, you know, like find, that, find people in your life that make you so nervous. You know, find people in your, like, like ask God for someone to bring to you that you could begin to, your faith would grow because of theirs, not like encourage your own. Like, how many of you, like, I don't want more of my faith. I want more of Jesus' faith. You know, we're talking in our school of supernatural ministry about hosting the presence this quarter. I'm speaking there tonight. I, I invite anyone who wants to come, just check out our school environment to come. We have great speakers that are coming this quarter. You know, one of the things that when we talk about hosting the presence of the Lord, like, you know, it's just like sometimes you need to dial it down. Like, what does it look like to host someone? What do you do when you host a guest at your own house? Oh, I love them. No, you don't. You clean like crazy the day before. You get the house ready, right? You want to make them think you always live like that. I mean, Jesus wants to come in and hear it. He knows what's really going on, but he still chooses to come in. 
The Bible says that you are a temple of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. That there's this invitation to host his presence. But sometimes what we do with Jesus as someone just followed, if, you're, if, if, if your life was a house, you know, sometimes you just kind of invite Jesus into a room. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm known as, I have Jesus, like he's in my house. I don't talk to him a ton, he's always in his room. But I'm saved, he's in the house. He's somewhere around here. I talk to him every now and then. When things go wrong, oh, we talk a lot. But when things aren't, you know, it's like, I'll wait for a problem. And then, then you know, and if problems knock on my door, I'll answer it. You know, Jesus usually doesn't answer it. But I'll answer it. Because I don't know what he's up to. But he's in the house. He's here somewhere. And what happens is we kind of live a life sometimes that Jesus just, you know, he never, he never, you don't let him out of his room. And if he can't come out of his room, he can't come out of the house. Does this make sense? Like we tend to, we tend to kind of treat Jesus as though like he's a guest in our house who like, you know, he's just a guest. And so I want to make it all look really good for him. Right? I mean, I want to make it look really good for him. But he already knows what it's like anyway inside of your house. And that whole making it looking good is called religion. That's putting on a face for the Lord that he's just like, you're not fooling anybody but yourself, and you're going to stay in the same place. So Jesus is in his bedroom, and we're like hanging out and doing things where Jesus actually talks about like, I long to come in and live with you and dine with you. Did I long... My, my, if you accept me, my father and I will come in and live, and we will dine with you. You know, friends eat together. Guests don't. Friends eat together. Guests don't. And what happens is that when we let Jesus out of his room, and we begin to kind of bring him into our life, he will go into things, and, and this is, we kind of accept him, like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is like, nope, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I like this space. I'm going to stay here. Uh, are you sure, Jesus? Because you have a room. Yeah, I'm going to stay right here. Jesus, that's really awkward and uncomfortable for me. Well, I, I, Sean, I, I actually own, I purchased the house. You're, you're, you're a guest with me. Jesus, are you sure about that, man? You know, like, where's the deed? Oh, yeah, you actually purchased it fully and completely. So then what happens is we let Jesus come and kind of wreck our world. You just follow, are you guys following me? We kind of let Jesus come, and, and, and if we allow him, he'll kind of wreck our world and our house, and it's just like, oh, I really like that piece there, and now you move that piece of furniture in my life, and, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know where that door leads now. I used to know. I used to open and go in, but now you're making me question everything, and, you know. And meanwhile, Jesus is just smiling while he's doing it. You know, trust me. This, I'm going to make it way better than where you had it. He'll empty the whole place. Jesus, we have no furniture now. <laughs> well, I guess you can't run away from me now, huh? How many of you have been in a place that God removes everything so that you can't run away from You start listening to him. It probably wasn't his first plan, but you didn't let him out of the room. So now he's kind of he's there, and it's like, all right, well, I guess I, I got let's talk. 
And what happens is you start to, we start to, this is that, that intimacy with Jesus, that encountering him. That is actually when we begin to know him. That is when, now some of you might be like, yeah, I'm there right now. Well, here's the amazing part, man. Jesus will always bring new food for you. He doesn't make the same meal over and over again. In fact, there's a whole, there's a whole teaching on this that he brought the Israelites through that their manna wasn't good the next day. It required new bread. That he will bring new things. Remember we talked this morning when we first started, like God has something for you today? It's not yesterday's reheated meal. It's what he's doing today. And what happens is when you, when you start when we're spending time with Jesus and, and he's just taking over our lives and my microphone, you know, when, when Jesus, when we allow the Lord out of his room in our lives, he'll, he'll say things that make us uncomfortable. He'll do things internally that completely rearrange how we are outwardly. Amen. And then what happens is, you know, and so it's like, okay, you know, and it's like, so Jesus, what do you want to do? And he's like, oh, let's go outside. Let's go outside. Come on, let's go outside. And you're like, outside? You mean like say hi to the mailman? Or like, and he's like, let's just go outside. Just follow me outside. Well, Jesus, can we like go together? No, you got to follow me. You don't know how, where you're going or even how to do it. And then... Then when we let Jesus outside, then the whole world begins to know that he's living with us. And he's not just a guest on Sundays. And we don't just go into his room on Sundays. Am I speaking to anyone here? I wasn't planning on talking about any of this. And we don't just go into his room on Sundays. What happened with, what happened with the apostles? What changed with them? They went from men who denied Jesus to getting what? Filled with his presence, filled with the Holy Spirit, where they began to be bold everywhere, so much so that they were brought before, in, in Acts 3, Peter was brought before the judges and, and the rulers of the time uh, because they turned the city upside down from healing someone outside of the gate, right? You guys remember this? When, when the, the beggar came to him looking for money, Acts 3, 6, came to him looking for money, he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, meaning that he actually knew he possessed something, it wasn't just a lofty thought. He actually realized that he was possessing something. He was possessing what God told him. What I do have, I give to you. Turn the city upside down. He was brought before. He's getting in trouble. And what, what did they say about, about the apostles in the book of Acts? And when, they, when this sort of thing would happen, they said, we don't know. We just know that he was around Jesus. They're unlearned men. Let me, let me translate it for you. Their faith right now is proof that they actually know Jesus, that they were around Jesus, that they know him. How much of our faith communicates that we know him? I hope, I hope this is like a good challenge for you in this moment because God has so much to release in our lives and through our lives. So getting back, so that's an that's intimacy with Jesus that you can't go out and try to do this stuff, man, if you're leaving him in the room. You know, and it's like Jesus will constantly say things like, um, I want you to go pray for that person. It's like, well, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to uh, heal them. Okay, what else? Uh, the next person, I want you to cast a demon out. Jesus, this sounds like the kingdom of God and the gospel. I know, you should do it. Okay. <laughs> Does this make sense? And here's the thing. I hope, I hope you guys recognize. You're, like, you are the righteousness of God on the planet. 
He became sin in a moment, and you are now righteousness for any moment. That you don't have to go all the way to another country to see breakthrough and to see outpourings and to see Holy Spirit move like this. But I tell you what, a place like that, man, they're like throwing the deed to their lives at Jesus. And they're like, just come in any room. I don't even have furniture anyway, so it's an upgrade. <laughs> like, their lives isn't anything they're, they're bragging about. They know that they, are, they need him so bad, and they're aware of their need. And by being aware, how many of you know, you need Jesus. Like, you need Jesus. Being aware of our need positions us for him to do whatever it is that he's written about. Whatever it is that he has spoken over our lives. And then we begin to host and begin to partner. That's when things become fun in our lives. I tell you what, if fun for you is coming to church and not seeing people healed, we have a different definition of fun. If fun is just coming and singing songs, man, we have a different definition of fun. That's not what revival looks like. Revival looks like I want to just come close to the hem of his garment. Not out of a place of unworthiness because I know that if I just simply touch the, the, the boundaries of his presence, I'm going to get rocked. And then you come close and he's like, okay, come on in. The will of God is the thing that's always being spoken over our lives. It's not temporal. That he'll speak a word over you and it won't fail. And what happened, he spoke a word over me about being a pastor. You know, it was 11 years ago. And here I am, a pastor. I could not have gotten here under the best of strategies. But when he speaks it, it's going to work. It's going to happen. Does this make sense? And it might not happen instantly in the moment. But when he speaks it, it won't fail. It is not without power to accomplish the purpose that he spoke it out to do. Like in your own life. So we need to raise our expectation when we're, when we're around people who need a breakthrough that Jesus wants to bring the breakthrough. You know, getting back to my friend Ed, you know, Ed is just a wild man. I was out at a restaurant with him, and he's, he's shouting the gospel. He's shouting stuff, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I have another choice to make. Ed, I, you know what? I need to be around what you're saying. He's like, he was, he was just, all this stuff that was happening in the spirit, again, he's a seer. Remember I talked, I don't even know if you guys remember, but last week, I, th I think it was last week, I had that real brief word about, you know, that seer anointing, the invitation is to see Jesus. It's not to just see spiritual stuff. That's the fruit of it. And he'll let you just see that, but you have an invitation with that gift to see Jesus. The gift of pride. Like, the gifts are there. You can minister to the world. What if you began to minister to the Lord? What if you began to minister? The gift of prophecy is on your life. It's on my life. What if I took that as, wait, so you're telling me I can, I can, I can, I have insight into people's lives. I can fathom mysteries and speak them and get clarity on situations. It sounds like I have, like, an ability to understand and to know. God, can I do that with you? Can I know you? Can I look into your heart? Can I just go into the depths of you? You know, there's this gift of healing. You know, we love seeing people healed. Well, what if it was, I get to know, wait, so I get to lay hands on the sick and see them well? God, can you make me the most healed version of me that's ever been alive? 
Can you heal every single part of me? How many of you know? We never stop praying for the sick. We just use it to minister to the Lord now too. Does this make sense? And this, you know, a guy like Ed, he's a guy that we've gotten these two things confused. We've gotten confused with uh, uh, consumption and being consumed. Consumption is I will, I will go and I will use a resource. I'm looking to, does this make sense? Consumption is I'm here to kind of take in and very kind of view God as a resource in my life. Consumed is I am gripped and I can't get out. Consumed is all of my energy, thoughts, and emotion are going towards one person named Jesus. And what happens is somewhere along the lines in the last 10 years or so, this teaching has snuck into the church that says you should live a balanced life. <laughs> you Name me one person, one person who's lived a balanced life in Scripture. Jesus, oh, Jesus lived a balanced life. He went away to lonely places to pray. Yeah, because for like 18 hours a day, power was being released from him. Everywhere he went, people would pull from him. In fact, there is, there is a story. You guys know the story of the 5,000? I'm going to close with this. The story of the 5,000 when he fed the 5,000. And then right after that, he told the disciples to go across the, across the lake. I'm going to meet you over there. I'm going to go up here and pray. You guys go ahead. You know, the disciples are probably just like, okay, he'll probably find another way around. Like, you know, I don't know where the disciples' brains were at, but they were like, okay, yeah. I mean, Jesus said to go do it, so, okay. You know, when Jesus was, when Jesus was uh, before he fed the 5,000, you know, he, went, he actually says in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and it was, it's actually in all the Gospels, this story, he just heard about John the Baptist being beheaded, his cousin. He, he just heard about it. And so it says that he actually went to pray. Like, he went to get away to pray. And then it says that while he was on the way, one church says while he was on the way, another one says when he, when he was done praying, he came down and, and he, was, he got in his disciples in the boat, and we're going to go over here. Well, he went over there, and he found that people were following him. So much so, he wasn't planning on staying. That was not where he was planning on staying. Are you guys with me? He wasn't planning on staying in that moment. He just got done praying, crossed the lake. He wasn't, but people were there so much so. That's the, that's, that's the verse that you'll, you'll read in, in Mark 6 and in Matthew about he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And so he began to teach them many things, it said. He wasn't planning on stopping, but they stopped him. So much so that he, he taught, he lost track of time. Would Jesus lost track of time? Just... Listen, he got to a place that it was, not, it was about to be nighttime and they haven't eaten. What am I saying? The hunger from them people made Jesus stop and perform a miracle too. Just by wanting to be around him. Does this make sense? So what happens is they go ahead and they, they, Jesus gets the five loaves. And what does he say when the disciples came to him with a problem? That we got to eat. What does Jesus say to him? He says, you feed them. Uh, well, Lord, we have uh, three tuna fish sandwiches. And so uh, there's 5,000 men. So there's probably about 12,000 people there, women and children. There's a lot of people there. So Jesus, do you want us to go buy food? Jesus, let me. Lord, I'm going to use my best train of thought right now to solve a supernatural problem. 
my best idea is we can go buy food. It'll take two days. But if you hold everyone here, I think we can do it. <laughs> what does Jesus do? He takes what's available. He gives thanks. He gives it to the disciples, and they distribute it. You guys remember this. Then, what I mentioned before, Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to go pray. Remember, his, he wanted to go pray. He kind of got interrupted. He's like, I want to go pray. You guys go ahead of me now. Go back to the other side of the lake. So like, okay, they go. That's the night that the big storm comes. And it says they're about three or four miles out, and a storm is raging all around them. And then they see Jesus just walking on the water. And they looked at him, and they were shocked. They were, they were, he said that they were white as a ghost. They thought he was a ghost, and they were shocked. And they began to cry out. Peter's like, I'll come out, you know? And everyone else is like, just Jesus, get in, you know? And, and it says that he got in. And a couple of counts read it differently. One says the moment he got in, they arrived at the shore. Another one says the moment he got in, the storm stopped. And it says that they were, they were in awe and wonder that this truly was the Son of God. Just by getting in the boat, it stopped everything. But what did, what did Jesus say about it? Jesus actually says, but the, there was a problem in the situation. The problem was they didn't understand about the fishes and the loaves. What, what didn't they understand? Because they gave all the glory to God. Like, you know, they were doing everything right. You know, the miracle happened. And what, what didn't they understand? Is they missed when Jesus said, go across the lake. With it, carry the empowerment to see it fulfilled. But instead, they wanted Jesus to come and do it. This makes sense. That they missed, when Jesus spoke the thanks, they missed this, that the miracle took place in their hands of the multiplying of the bread. They distributed it to everyone. He spoke something, and it was released through them. He took a step back. He spoke something, and they didn't know how to move with it. He gave a commission to go, and they didn't know how to move with it. Does this make sense? That when we just wrap our arms around Jesus, when we are gripped by him, we begin to trust the things that he is saying and we'll take steps towards it and no longer just think in our carnal thinking and no longer just solve the problems. You know, it's like, you know, it's like solving a supernatural situation is like trying to like come up with a recipe, you know, for like, you know, to build at a construction site to solve a problem. I'm going to bake a cake. Uh, we have to... We have to actually build a house. I'm going to bake a cake. Just like, do you guys connect how ridiculous it is and how much is available to us to step into when he speaks it for us to step into it, for us to step into it, to follow Jesus. So simplicity is that simple obeying of the word of God, simple taking him at his word. And actually releasing that, that thing that, that will release faith in our life. Intimacy. you got to let Jesus out of the room. you got to let Jesus out of the room. And you're going to find that he's probably going to want to go out. And then there's other times where he just wants to throw you a party. But he's gonna, he, he wants to get out because he wants to show you something. And following God's will. That the, your job description, your will, no matter the direction or the path, is to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. The world is waiting for Christians to give the kingdom of God that's within them. Why? Because then you become, the church becomes the very desire of the nations that Jesus is. 
There's nothing more attractive and exciting than seeing someone have an encounter with Jesus. And when we begin to follow him as he teaches us. I'm gonna close with this. Is there is a book uh, called uh, Christians, Muslims, and Jesus by um, uh, 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 Carl Medeiros. And uh, so he, he is a missionary, and he was speaking at Harvard. He's giving a talk at Harvard with, with like a panel, and, and uh, there were all sorts of faith there in the room. Well, after the panel, they came up to him, and uh, a woman came up to him, and she goes, I'm Jewish, and I don't believe Jesus is a Messiah. And I'm going to read you what Carl said. He goes, okay, by the way, my name's Carl. What's yours? Melissa, but what do you think? Think about what? About Jesus not being the Messiah. Oh, that's fine. I'm actually not his defense attorney. You can think of him however you like. She looked at the other people in the room who seemed a little shocked at my, with Carl's non-response response. I guess they were thinking we were all on the same team and I no longer was. I could tell that Melissa was almost hoping for a good round or two with me in the ring of apologetics. She had certain answers ready for answers she thought I would give. So why go there, I thought. That would not be fun at all. She pushed, well, what, well do you think he's the Messiah? Actually, it doesn't matter at all what I think. It probably matters more what Jesus thought about himself. Not buying, she said, okay, so if you did think something about that, what would you be thinking? Obviously, <laughs> pre-law. If you were going to prove to me he was the Messiah, what's your best point? I don't have a best point. Well, then why in the world am I here? To be honest, I don't know. You came to me. <laughs> Tell me why you came. I came to talk to you and to refute your points about Jesus being the Messiah. Carl said, oh, sorry, maybe you got the wrong idea. I'm not really good at arguing like that. She said one last time, well, if you were going to give me your best shot about Jesus, what would it be? Now he could hear that there was a sense, there was a bit of real question in her tone. So he sat there, asked the Holy Spirit, and he said, I would tell you that he likes you. She rolled her eyes. Well, that's stupid. That's your best shot? Yep, I told you I didn't have a best shot, and you probably wouldn't believe me. She began to speak under her, breath, shaking, under her breath, shaking her head, mumbling something like, he likes me, he likes me. Then she started to cry. Then she started to have an encounter with Jesus. You know, the world needs Jesus that you're carrying, not our thoughts, not our best understanding. They need our faith to be released. So why don't you just stand up right now and open up your hands, and I'm just going to pray over us. You know, I believe that God has so many encounters and strategies for you that look like the face of Jesus taking on a new shape to you. That the Jesus that you have known, Jesus wants to show you something new about him. So if you want that, just open up your hands right now. And I believe that some of you are going are gonna to go in that room with Jesus, that room that he's been in in your house, and you're going to find your face on the wall. You're going to find the, his thoughts about you written all over the place. You're going to find on some walls his thoughts about the world. You're going to begin to partner. You're going to begin to step into his heart, his very being. So right now, Jesus, we just say, God, would you draw us into those places of intimacy, God, that, that release your kingdom? God, would you draw us back, God, just to that realm of influence and that realm of demonstration, God? 
that not, we don't want to just be influencers who are known for good deeds, Lord. We want to be carrying a supernatural God inside of us, Lord. God, we want to be your righteousness. So right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and just knock down walls maybe in our home that we've put you in? God, we give you permission to rearrange fires of change, as David Jonas said, God. The fires of change, Lord, we give you permission to come and to rearrange, Lord. God, we know that your, your signs and wonders, God, are still the desire of the nations, the desire of our neighbors, the desire of, of the person working down the street, Lord. So God, we just position ourselves right now to carry your desires and to release them freely as you have freely given. Father, we bless you today, Lord. We bless you today. And I, just put your hand on your heart. God, consume us. Grip us afresh. Grip us afresh, Lord. I want to be a consumed person. I don't want to be living for consumption. I want to be consumed by you, God. I want to be consumed by you, God. And I just speak over you. Your life is supposed to be hard to explain. It just From the outsider, your life should be hard to explain. So I just release that over you so that you could, not, you could fit outside of your box. That God wants to bring you outside of your box of yourself. And that the life you live, your prophetic, supernatural, power-filled life is going to be hard to explain to other people. So I just release grace over you to accept the fact that you are strange, to accept the fact that you, are, you don't belong to this world. Jesus would say things like, the world is not worthy of some people. Be the person that the world is not worthy of. Lord, we just release that, that freedom over hearts today, God, and just break off, just put your hand on your neighbor, just break off any sense of, you know, trying to, they, they might need just an just a, um, encouragement, just any sense of, uh, you know, fear of man. I, we just need to break that off and just speak to that thing because it's so stupid. And, and just break off that fear of what other people think and things like that. If I say yes, what will other people think? We just break that off, and I just release encourage to you. I just release the word of the Lord over you afresh today, that, that he has pictures of you in the room. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear, and the greatest adventure is contained with your yes, just like the greatest promise is hidden in his word over you. So, Lord, we just say yes and amen, God, to moving outside of the way people would see us, outside of the way we would see ourselves, and stepping in to the realities and dimensions and the portals of faith, God, that manifest your kingdom. God, thank you that your kingdom is at hand and that these are the ones that are carrying it, God. So, Lord, we bless you today. We bless you, Jesus, and we just say, consume us, consume us, consume us, God. Consume us, Lord. Consume us, Jesus. Consume us, God. Grip our hearts, Lord, in a fresh way. God, we don't want to just go back to praying soft prayers, Lord. We don't want to go back to a place, God, where you aren't. Consume us, Lord, and bring us out into every place that you have ordained, God. Every place that you have ordained, God. Every place that you have ordained, Jesus, that you would be glorified. That the name of Jesus will be held in high esteem. And I just speak over some of you. You are powerful, and I don't mean that. I mean it like you are carrying the resurrected power of Jesus. That you have authority over the devil. Some of you are afraid to say the devil's name. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over demons. You have authority. Your hands carry power. That the resurrected Christ lives inside of you. And by simply, just like Jesus, when you speak it out, it is going to be done. When you speak it out, you're becoming more like your Savior who speaks something out and it is done. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for a fresh day, a fresh day of power and a fresh day of understanding of how you want to move, God. 
Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.